0: One, two, three. Hi again, this is Jason with the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Welcome back to today's episode. We're really excited for today's guest. We want to welcome in Justin Grimes. Justin, hello, how are you?
1: Uh, good, thanks, Jason. How are you?
0: i uh, doing great. And a little bit more about Justin. Justin and his wife, Brittany, have two baby boys, Jensen and Cooper. He was born and raised in South Houston and committed to maintaining multiple streams of income and is currently an active rehabber, mortgage note creator, and a passive commercial real estate investor, an investor operator in online businesses, and an equity partner in an oil field equipment company. Wow, you have a lot going on. <laughs> you have a couple small kids. So let's, before we get into your background, let 's start in how do you do it all?
1: yeah, yeah not much sleep, I guess, um, and a lot of help, so I, I have tried to do it all myself in the past and fallen right on my face, so uh, i 'm a big believer in teams now and systems, and uh, you know it's a it 's a learning process, uh, but i 'm never bored that 's for sure
0: that's well, I'm sure <laughs> you 're not especially with young families so. <laughs> If we we look back about your real estate career, you you seem to have at least dabbled in a number of different spaces. Where did you get started and why?
1: Yeah, uh, we could go back, you know, so my initial um, rental uh, asset that I had, I I bought a place when I got out of college that was a pretty cool little bachelor pad on the water. When I met my wife, uh, we bought a house and I decided to rent that because why not? So, Uh, With my W-2 income, it helped nice with tax write-offs and things like that. But it was consistently wiped out, as you've heard the stories on the cash flow. It'd get wiped out with uh, an AC repair or something like that. So, uh, you know, I kind of meddled in it for a while and just uh, it did its thing. But um, it kind of got kicked into high gear, Uh, my interest in real estate, that is, uh, in 2016, uh, we lost my father in an auto accident, and from that uh you know my family unfortunately uh, you know came into some money and from that, I needed to figure out what in the world to do all i 've ever known is um, you know stocks and bonds and you know that kind of stuff, so uh, we did put some money into that and then over the last few years, what we 've been doing is moving that money into uh, passive real estate investment opportunities through commercial syndications. So that's kind of the high level view of how I got to where I'm at today.
0: Sure. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. And if we look at what you're doing with the money, what, why did you take it out of the familiar territory of stocks, bonds, and move it over to real estate? What really triggered that?
1: Yeah, I'd say, uh, you know, we, we're losing sleep. I'd say watching the market or in fear of what was going to happen next, you know, ultimately uh, the market kind of, uh, it just does what it does uh, and real estate does as well. But ultimately to have that comfort of a physical asset tied and collateralized with your capital uh, just made us sleep a little bit better at night. So we're committed to maintaining a diverse portfolio. We still have some stuff in the market, but uh, our focus is to to really build out relationships and uh, with teams of, of operators who can uh, you know help us protect that capital and grow wealth for future generations is kind of the vision
0: that 's great and um, you have a couple different components the passive side and the active side with the with the flipping and with mortgage notes what how do you split it How active are you versus how passive are you?
1: Uh, let's talk on uh, just the on the multifamily space or the commercial syndications we do. Uh, we work with four groups right now um, that do uh, let's see self storage uh, mobile home parks and multifamily apartment investments um, those are we're limited partners in those earning a preferred return and then an equity split at exit or based on the profitability of operation. So, um, you know, that's a, a powerful space. If you have the accreditation or, you know, if, if you can play in that arena, um, that's a, a powerful place to put your money because of the tax incentives and uh, accelerated depreciation and some things like that that you well know and I know your listeners are familiar with. So, um, you know, for my mom's stuff, that's that's kind of where we play. Uh, I'd like to get more actively involved in that, but realistically with only so many hours in a day, I find it best to, uh, you know, kind of take a, a step back, focus on the relationships and who those operators are and what their goals are, make sure they're aligned with us, and then let them do what they're good at
0: what are some ways if someone is looking to follow in your footsteps and and invest passively to vet the operators?
1: So we look at a couple of things. Um, you know, a track record is important, but not everything. Uh, it is a place where, you know, that helps to begin to gain some comfort. But, um, when I get on the phone with these guys or, or ladies, you know, it's just a conversation. I want to understand what their objectives are for, uh, you know, in the long term, if if they don't mention capital preservation uh, and and things like that, you know, I mean, ultimately, I'm I'm dealing with my mom's money here, so you know, I want to make some money too, but the last thing I really want to do is lose it. So uh, mm-hmm. things things can happen, but um, if that's not one of their top goals, then you know, that's one of my most important things. So we may not be aligned uh, if we don't talk about that type of topic um you know some of Mike you go ahead what
0: would be a couple trigger points that you would realize ultimately that this isn't the right relationship
1: um you know if if they don't mention the importance of capital preservation for them rather they're uh you just focused on you know uh, forced depreciation or uh hoping that um you know the market's going to continue to uptick or uh, you know, some other things related to finance terms and things like that, you know, um, if, if they're not very conservative uh, in their numbers, uh, as far as what their budgets are and their exit timelines or how they have this financed uh, with debt, um, then uh, those are some things that, you know, the little I do know, uh, those are just some things I don't want to get involved in and uh, with the operators that we are involved in. They kind of fit maybe our risk profile a little bit better. So, um,
0: so if you're if you're looking at this and you were talking about the underwriting component of this, if you're going in there as a passive investor and maybe you're not fluent in investing in apartments, do you feel it's important to? To become versed in underwriting properties before you vetted out an operator, or is there ways that you can go in there and vet the operator without being completely fluent about underwriting the property?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm trying to educate myself more on the whole underwriting process. But you know, I mean, one of the components that we look for is I'll, I'll ask to talk to other investors that are are active in their deals, or you know, uh, as limited partners, and see what their relationships have been like. Uh, one of the main things I Enjoy about the partners we do work with is is communication i mean at least once a month once a quarter at at most uh, or at uh at the very least uh we get updates and you know on rent rolls and uh, the p n l and things like that and that just helps me be able to you know offer some uh, information to my family they got a lot of trust in me to to make some of these decisions and i'm doing the best I can but to be able to give them that uh information, whether they just put it in the, you know, spam box or whatever, uh, they've got it available to them, you know, and I feel pretty confident in that.
0: Absolutely. And would you expect as a passive investor, you're expecting quarterly or monthly emails or do you want calls or what, what is your expectation?
1: Yeah, mine, uh, I think the, the email, um, is the best thing. You know, if they have conference calls and things like that, that's fine. But, uh, I think that's the most, uh, efficient for me. Cause I can save it for later and read through it and really dig it into it when I actually do have some time that's convenient for me. So yeah, I enjoy the operators that we work with who do do that. I think that's a differentiator, um, that is important to us.
0: Would communication on a deal mm-hmm. that was not really up to par, keep you from investing with them in the future?
1: Um, if they're not, if they're not communicating about it until, you know, Hey, look, three months ago, we had this happen and we kind of kept it quiet for two months, hoping we'd work it out, but just didn't work out. Well, you know, been interesting to have that conversation as you go. So, you know, I can help. Uh, I don't know. I know a lot of people or I know a fair amount of people in this space that have kind of been there and done that. So, man, maybe I would have had an idea to put you in touch with this guy who'd also been through that situation and he could have helped guide you rather than you just try and figure out. So yeah, I would say so. I mean, if it hits the fan, as it tends to do in life, you know, I mean, um, yeah, let's talk.
0: So absolute transparency would be a huge item from an operator side that you would definitely want to have, regardless of good or bad, you'd want to see it through just to understand what's happening throughout.
1: I do. And I think that's a, maybe a personal preference. You know, I mean, there are probably people out there that would rather not know until it's just too late. <laughs> they, <laughs> don't wanna, they don't want to worry about it, maybe. Yeah. So I don't know. For me, I'd rather, uh, you know, face it head on and see what we can do. There's You got to be resourceful in this space and in life and uh, things come up and, you know, maybe we can work something out.
0: So you're investing in multifamily. You said also uh, apartment. I'm sorry, multifamily. Uh, then also mobile home parks and storage units, uh, right. self storage. Is there one space you prefer to stay within as a passive investor, uh, and why dabble in so many?
1: Um, you know, it's, so I get. I think it comes down ultimately to diversification. So, uh, and you know, kind of. Um, I think as the economy you know, goes through its next cycle and things like that. Those are all three very unique uh, opportunities to capture, um, you know, earnings. Uh, those, those are all probably unlikely to go anywhere, really. You know, people may stop buying houses or things like that, but people need a place to live. Um, people need a place, you know, as uh, baby boomers downsize, they need a place to store things. And, you know, that um, lower price point that uh, maybe mobile home parks offer, you know, that's an underserved market as well. So, um, and then geographically, we kind of have them spread out uh, with those operators. They they kind of operate in more of a, a, a region, I'd say. That's um, their specific niche where they have teams and processes built out, um, and that helps as well. You know, if if all the if the oil and gas uh, industry goes downhill. You know, Houston's heavily impacted by that. There are other industries here, but, you know, um, you know, with medical and things, but places like Dallas and and some of those others, they're super diversified on different industries that are involved in that city or, uh, you know, sub market. So, that's a, an interesting place to invest.
0: Now, are you looking to solely invest in Texas? Are you comfortable investing? How far are you comfortable investing? Yeah,
1: no, we've got stuff as far as California and, you know, over to Atlanta, um, some things into Indiana and things. And these are all with those particular operators, um, on our side passively involved, you know, so, geographically though, it is just spread throughout the country on from active stuff. Uh, we don't, I, you know, I just focus on kind of where I can go look and feel, touch it, see it happen.
0: So let's talk a little bit more about your active stuff. So you're act- actively flipping homes. What is it? What is a bread and butter flip for you?
1: Yeah. So um, what I've got as a business partner down here, and we create mortgage notes <clears throat> to owner financing model. So like a traditional a uh, rehabber will buy something, let's say $50,000. It needs $20,000 in work. So I'm 70 in and the value is $100,000. Uh, what we'll do is is put an owner in there, we'll sell it to him for 100. We take a, uh, let's call it 20% down. So there's $20,000 cash occurrence. And then um, we structure a note, uh, $80,000 note on a 15 year, amortized schedule and basically become the bank you know so there are a lot of components to it um, and we can get into all that however you like but there's a lot of players in that um, on that team to maintain regulatory compliance uh, with you know non-predatory lending and and all of that stuff so um, that's the basic gist of how we do that.
0: And so you're protecting yourself How is the bank?
1: Uh, so as the bank but we we Plug in an investor in a first lien position. So we raise that capital at seventy thousand dollars. Somebody owns that first lien for seventy thousand. We'll carry a second lien, and our note will be eighty thousand with the buyer. And then we have a spread, you know. So if we're charging, we're being charged eight percent by our lender, and we're charging ten percent to the buyer. Um, there's a spread in that interest rate cash flow. Um, so a couple of ways to do it, you can also sell a portion of the note, a portion of the payments. Uh, for example, if you just wanted to sell the first 10 years of the uh, note on a 15-year amortized schedule, then, you know, the back end of that still leaves some meat on the bone for my partner and I, uh, if that buyer's still in place, uh, there's, there's still 40000 $50,000 worth of income that can come off of that last five years.
0: That's awesome. In New Jersey, we came and buy a driveway for seventy thousand. So, so, yeah, yeah, so we, yeah. you know, you I know, believe. I love hearing these stories here because yeah. that, that's awesome. So, really, really interesting on that topic. And if you had the choice and you just had to pick one way, focus all all of your money now into the passive side or the active side. Where would you rather fall?
1: Uh, I, I would do uh, probably the commercial space. I think there's you know multiple doors um, and multiple opportunities for income streams is is just a winner in my book as opposed to the single door. Uh, what I like about notes is the flexibility and the protection that you have tied to that physical asset in Texas. It's, um, you know, a, uh, ju- it's a non-judicial state, meaning foreclosure here is not as painful as um, other states where, you know, it may take up to over half a year to get a non-paying occupant out of the property that you need to fill. So here it takes about 60 days. So we underwrite those to set everybody up to win. And, uh, unfortunately if they don't go right, uh, you know, Texas offers some opportunities to, to make the situation, you know, uh, just to protect the, the investor ultimately.
0: Yeah. And that's great. And we, of course, on the other side of that here in New Jersey. So it's, it could take a decade to get people out of especially yeah. <laughs> to know the game. And you had spoke a little bit about your your time is really setting you from doing your own syndications. Do, do you, you have so many things going on here. Do you, Do you have a point where it, it would make sense for you to go out there and do your own syndications? And what would those steps look like?
1: Yeah, so <clears throat> kind of in the short term, Um, you know, my plan is to continue to develop these relationships with those higher level operators who are doing it day in and day out. Uh, At this point, you know, I don't have uh, the time to really bring value to as a, maybe as a, uh, you know, an active uh, partner or, or, uh, you know, member in that uh, operating agreement or whatever. So, um, long term though, I mean, yeah, I'm basically setting up the note business, uh, as, uh, you know, it's getting its systems and teams in place, uh, and allowing that thing to kind of just perform on its own as its own standalone business. Um, and then, uh, you know, with time, I would like to jump into that space more as a, um, you know, just a partner in a deal. We'll be able to bring the capital. I will have some experience from a limited partnership perspective. Uh, and then, uh, you know, be able to bring that value and uh, to the team perhaps. Raising capital is what I do for our note investing business and compliance is what I do in my W-2 job and uh, for the note business as well. So there's a heavy component of that in syndication as well and uh, I enjoy that kind of work.
0: And it carries a long way. So if you act as a passive investor in a multifamily syndication, that actually carries a lot more for agency at Franny and Fetty than if you were out there flipping a thousand homes, they don't care. They want to see your experience relative to it. So that's going to go a long way for you. And looking at where you stand today with all of these businesses, where do you see your trajectory next year, next five years? Where where are your goals?
1: Yeah. um, You know, I'm, I'm, uh, focused, you know, as far as I have a W-2 job, I do have an equity component there that, uh, you know, heavily incentivizes me to maintain growth and things at that business. So, you know, I work there about from like seven to four, uh, five o'clock daily. Then I come home and uh, play with the kids for an hour or two and then, you know, hang out, eat dinner with the wife, watch TV and then get back to work. So, um, you know, as that goes, uh, I, I'd like the role in real estate to to not necessarily replace a job one day, but to continue to just offer freedom, financial freedom, ultimately, to where, uh, you know, I'm able to do what I want to do, not what I have to do uh, kind of stuff, you know, so vacations aren't, you know, I don't need to map out my year in January to figure out how many days I have to take off in December when Christmas comes and my wife wants to go visit her family, you know, so that's, you know, long term vision. That's kind of what I want for my family is to be able to take those trips and make those memories. And uh, that's that's kind of the idea of the real estate and uh, multiple businesses getting off the ground at once.
0: And that's a great point. I, you, we hear so much that people just want to do real estate to quit their job, but it's not the only option. A lot of people like their job or, or have, have another career that they really like doing, and you don't have to quit to just jump out of it, and that's definitely a good example of why not. If you were backtracking, say, to your start or to look back where you were today and knew everything you know now, what would you tell yourself when you were starting out? What actual step would you start with?
1: Oh, you know, I, I would, uh, get my mind right. Uh, when my first flip was a nightmare, uh, I tried to do it all on my own didn't have teams in place and, and, uh, it was a real painful experience. So, um, to just be ready, you know, be resourceful and be ready for the challenges that are going to come just in any business, whether it was flipping a house or just starting, starting something from scratch. Um, you gotta keep moving and you got to, you know, just, uh, yeah, just don't give up. That's
0: great. And do you have a morning routine or what do you do to get your mind right? Um,
1: Yeah, I, you know, so I, in the evenings, I'll write down uh, some affirmations, uh, you know, that have one business related, one personal uh, with my family and try and get my head in a good spot so I can get some good rest. Uh, and then in the morning, a couple of days a week, I'll I'll get on the elliptical and, uh, work out a little bit and then, you know, I wake up the kids, um, you know, play a little bit and then head out to the office. So nothing super, um, you know, uh, Tim Ferriss like or anything, but you know it it works (laughs) I listen for you that's right my drive to the office is about 20-25 minutes so there's some you know you guys podcast and a couple others that I would just plug in and I listen to them going to and from and so I'm a big podcast fan I think that windshield time is is uh, valuable to me
0: it sure is and and I'm the same way there was a couple years where I was driving like 100,000 miles a year just looking at job sites and podcasts I mean that was a full-time education right there. You, mm-hmm. you can get so much of it and it's just, it's amazing the information that people share out there, just like you are today. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, absolutely. Is there some words you live by?
1: Um, You know, I, I looked at something the other day. Um, it, I think it was Henry Ford who said, whether you think you can or you think you cannot, you're right. I love that. And so, you know, part of my journey has been kind of, you know, um, just experiencing that failure and understanding that's part of life and business and how you grow, uh, sometimes it's just through those failures. So, um, but if you think you can't do it, you're absolutely right.
0: And I love that quote. And for everybody out there, if you haven't yet, check out Justin's podcast, the Cash Flow hustle. Awesome show. Uh, Justin, if there's a way to reach you or find out more about you, where would that best place be?
1: Yeah, that, that is the, the website too, the thecashflowhustle.com. We've got some content on there, um, you know, guides to success and, and just ways to set yourself up to achieve, you know, a life of fulfillment and freedom, whatever that looks like for you. There's, there's some things, like you said, if you want to keep your W-2 job and do some other things, uh, there's no one path for everybody. That's great.
0: Well, Justin, thank you so much for today. This is great. Uh, A ton of information that we haven't really focused on before. So this is going to be great for the listeners and uh, really appreciate you stopping by today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations on the uh, new edition, and appreciate what uh, you and Peely do.
0: Thank you so much. Well, this is uh, Jason with the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Thank you so much again to Justin Grimes and thank you to all you listeners out there. Have a great day. Bye now.